It all seems so simple. It was one tree, one tree's fruit that we shouldn't eat. But the serpent told us that we wouldn't really die from eating it like God had said. No, but that we would know things like God. And that's why he didn't want us to eat from it. To be like God? I wanted that. It all seems so simple. It was so complex. The angel Gabriel came to me and said not to fear, for I have found favor with God and am to become pregnant with the Messiah. Pregnant? I wasn't even married yet. Engaged, but not married. He said the Holy Spirit would come upon me and I was to carry the Son of God, the long-awaited Savior. It didn't make sense. How was I to tell my parents or Joseph? But I wanted to obey God, so I told Gabriel, let it be done to me as you have said. The serpent was right. It wasn't as if touching the fruit would kill us. No, we each took a bite. It was so crisp, so sweet, and then bitter. So bitter it stung. The bitterness ran through all of me, and then I did see everything. Our uncovered bodies, our immediate shame, our irrevocable choice to go against what God had told us about the fruit. I suppose it was a choice to obey. I mean, agreeing to carry the Son of God meant that my world would be turned upside down. Joseph wanted to end the engagement, and my parents were so ashamed they didn't believe me at first. I mean, how many girls have used the line, God got me pregnant before? I had to get away, so I hid and went to visit my cousin Elizabeth. While everyone else shamed me, Elizabeth understood, for she knew of God's promise that he made so long ago would be fulfilled through me. She and I could rejoice together. Together, Adam and I tried to fix what we had done. But the first time that we heard God step into the garden after eating the fruit was terrifying. In the evenings, we always went running to find him. But this time, we hid. The remnants of the fruit we consumed, now abandoned by the tree, it was in hearing him call for us that we knew the world would never be the same. The world would never be the same. I knew everything would change. Everything has changed. Those first months went quickly by, and now we're on our way to Bethlehem for the census, and I'm about to give birth. I can still hear the promise of God from Micah, that from Bethlehem will come the ruler over Israel. It is as God promised in his words to his people, his promise. The curse, those words still hang over my head. Hostility between the serpent's offspring and mine, pains in childbirth, struggle, agony, division. But worst of all, Separation from God. The peace of our lives now ended. And now we have death. Life. I can feel it growing in my belly. Every time I feel the baby kick, I know that someday those feet will be the ones to proclaim the good news to my people. That he will speak and hearts will listen. That his life will bring life to us again. Now as Adam and I leave the garden, we know that the fruit was indeed death for us, just as God had said. The land is harsh and Adam and I argue, but most of all, there is a deep set loneliness without our God near. Separated from the holiness once found in the garden, we are so, so far from God and there is brokenness everywhere. There is brokenness everywhere, so much to spare. But now I have hope because God is fulfilling what he promised. The prophet Isaiah wrote, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. For so long, his people have been far from God. We have wandered, worshiped false gods and idols and been held captive in foreign lands. Our sin has separated us from our holy God. 
but now we have hope because our Savior is coming and he will redeem us all. Emmanuel, God with us. Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad that you're here with us. Didn't they do a great job in that skit? So if you're new, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And that drama right there helps us to see something that we've been exploring over this past month in a Christmas series called Foretold. And in this series, what we've been doing is looking at the birth, the, the life, the work of Jesus through the lens of the Old Testament. Now, many people think about the Old Testament and think, well, how do you find Jesus in the Old Testament? But I got to tell you, he's everywhere. He's all throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And yet when many people read the Old Testament, what they think is it's just about God's anger. It's about hopelessness. It's about despair. And yet when we don't understand the point of the Old Testament, we miss what the Old Testament is all about. This past year, several guys in my men's group challenged each other to read through the Bible in a year. Anybody ever done that? You're taking the time to read through the Bible in a year, then you understand. Um, that's a little daunting. So we decided to do that, and we had one guy in our group who read through the Bible by June. We're all a little bit angry at him, um, but it's okay. We're working through it as a group. I'm in Revelation right now. I've got a few more days to go, but I'm, I'm almost there. And I got to tell you, spoiler alert, I read the end of the story and God wins. So I'm just saying it's really cool. Um, what was I talking about? The Old Testament, I think. Okay, so when I read through the Old Testament uh, this past year, I was amazed at how much the Bible, the Old Testament specifically, talks about Jesus, there are over 350 predictions or prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And this drama helped us to kind of see the tension between the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. It helped us to see our Old Testament promises and our New Testament reality fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And listen to what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said about Jesus 700 plus years before he came. So in Isaiah chapter nine, after predicting a time of great sorrow for the nation of Israel because of their own disobedience, what Isaiah said was this. He said, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Let me pause there for just a moment and say, if you're in a time of darkness or despair, if you're a Christ follower, God wants you to know that time will not go on forever. There is hope. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah continues and he says, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And what he's talking about there is the region around the Sea of Galilee, and that's where Jesus began his ministry. And because of that, Isaiah said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then in verse six, he said this about that light. He said, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. So Isaiah predicted that the light that would come into our world would be a child. 
And that child would be God himself. And I don't know if that messes with your mind, but it messes with my mind every Christmas. When I think about the reality of God himself stepping out of the splendor of heaven to planet earth, to this dark, kind of cold, kind of scary kind of place as a baby to bring light to those who live in spiritual darkness. And guess what? That's us. Like that just blows my mind that God would do that for us. Listen to what the New Testament author, the Apostle John, said in John chapter 1 about that light of Jesus. He said this in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He said, In the beginning, the Word already existed. Now, the Word is another name for Jesus. So we're going to take out the Word and we're going to put Jesus in there as we read this. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Jesus gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That would be a great verse to memorize, especially in those moments when you face darkness or you face uncertainty and you're not sure if you're going to make it through. We need to remind ourselves always that the darkness of our world, the darkness of whatever situation that you might find yourself in can never extinguish the light of our God. But listen to this sad reality. Verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. There were many people that walked with Jesus that didn't recognize him as the light that Isaiah was talking about. And then verse 11 says, he came to his own people. That would be God's specially chosen people, the Jews, and even they rejected him. So there were many Jews that said, we don't want your light in our lives. Here's the kind of scary reality. We can do those same two things today. We can reject Jesus, say, I don't want your light in my life. Or we can fail to recognize him as that light. We can get so focused on our sin, kind of where Eve was, so focused on our sin that we forget the forgiveness that Jesus offers. We can be like Mary and get so focused on this dark situation that happened. We didn't cause it. We just found ourselves in it, that we miss the light that Jesus offers and again, Mary was, was kind of struggling with that at a portion of her life, trying to figure out, like, how is this going to happen? But whether we find ourselves like Eve or we find ourselves like Mary, what God wants us to do is to be like Mary. Here's what she did. She focused beyond her dark, uncertain time. And she focused on the promise that Isaiah was talking about. She focused on a promise that Micah was talking about. She focused on the reality of Jesus, God in the flesh coming to planet earth as a little baby that on that first Christmas, she would hold in her arms. Try to wrap that around your brain. Being Mary, holding God in the flesh in her arms. Listen to what Jesus said about himself in John chapter eight. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So instead of rejecting Jesus, instead of failing to recognize Jesus, 
What God wants us to do, especially this Christmas season, is to receive Jesus. And so I have to ask, have you received Jesus? Have you, have you received the light that leads to eternal life? Have you put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior? And if you haven't, I, I pray that you will. Like, I can't imagine a better gift you could receive from God or a better gift that you could give God on Christmas time. I'm gonna tell you how you can do that. It's pretty simple. It involves just a few things. Number one, we've gotta tell God that we need him. We gotta say, God, like, I, I'm in spiritual darkness. I need the light that you offer. And number two, we've gotta believe that Jesus died so we can live. That's why Jesus came, to die to pay for your sins and my sins. So we've got to believe that. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And then three, we've got to invite him into our lives. Revelation says that Jesus stands at the door of our hearts knocking. He's a gentleman. He knocks and he waits. He will not barge his way into your life. He will knock and wait for you to invite him in. So we've got to invite him in. We've got to say, Jesus, will you come in and be the Lord of my life? And then we've got to follow him. We've got to follow him every day in our lives and do our best to become more like Jesus. So if you've never done that, I pray that you will. I pray that you'll do that even right now. And you don't have to do that with a pastor. You don't have to do that with a priest. You don't have to do that in a church. That can happen. That life-changing decision can, guess what, happen in a school cafeteria. How crazy is that? So I hope that you'll make that decision if you haven't. If you have, I got to ask, have your eyes drifted from the light that Jesus is shining? Have you been so distracted by a situation in your life, a, a dark time, a confusing time that you, you fail to recognize the light that Jesus is shining? Here's what Jesus said. If you follow me, you will not have to walk in darkness. He will provide light to us in, in whatever situation that we find, but we've got to focus our eyes on the light that he provides us. So here's what the Bible wants us to know. The Old Testament to the New Testament, all of it wants us to know that Jesus is the light of the world and his light leads to eternal life. We're going to transition and celebrate the light of Jesus through celebrating communion. And if you're new with us, let me explain how we do communion here at Epic, and then we'll uh, celebrate that together. At Epic, communion is open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you have done that, either today or at some point in your life, then I encourage you, I invite you to celebrate communion with us. And we have six tables set up for communion. We have two in the front. We've got four in the back. And in just a moment, I'm going to read a passage out of uh, 1 Corinthians, and then I'm going to pray. And then after that, our worship team is going to come out, but that'll be your cue after I pray that you can get up from your seat and you can move to any one of those tables to take communion. When you come up to one of the tables, you'll find the communion elements there. You'll find little cups of juice, which represent Christ's blood, which was poured out for us. And then you'll find little pieces of bread or uh, little pieces of cracker if you have gluten issues. And that bread, that cracker represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. And it's always interesting to me uh, to celebrate communion at Christmas time because communion is birthed out of Easter and it's about Christ's death. 
But the reality is we cannot separate Christmas and Easter because Jesus was born to die so we can live. So that's why we celebrate communion at Christmas time. So when you come up and you pick up uh, the, the juice and the bread, I encourage you, you can sit back down while our worship team plays, you can stand off to one side. And as you do that, I encourage you to say a prayer of thanks to God for sending Jesus for you, for shining a light in our dark world that you could see. And then go ahead and take the communion elements uh, on your own when you're ready within this next song. And then our worship team will, will send us out singing some Christmas choruses together. So listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's pray together. God, we are incredibly grateful for the amazing gift that you gave us over 2,000 years ago, the gift of Jesus. A gift that had been prophesied uh, for hundreds, if not thousands of years prior to Jesus' coming. But we're grateful for a baby to be born on that first Christmas morning that would grow up and be a light that would shine for the world to see. And Lord, we're grateful that we've been able to see that light and come out of spiritual darkness. Lord, I pray for those today who might be in that spot of needing to make that decision of receiving that light of Jesus. I pray that they will, even now, they'll fling the door open to their heart and say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for others who may be distracted by a difficult situation. Lord, I pray that their eyes would rise above the uncertainty of that, kind of like Mary, that they would rest in the hope of your light that you are shining in our world and in our lives right now. And so, Lord, we celebrate communion this Christmas, and it's a time to announce again that you died so we can live. And it's also a time for us to announce that one day, Jesus, you will come back. And you, you won't come back as a baby that time. You will come back as a ruling king. And so, Lord, we worship you now, and we will worship you then. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this together. Amen. You are now free to get up and take communion.